0: As Linda mentioned, that last week we began this story in in Acts when the disciples, Peter, they're apostles now, Peter and John were walking to the temple and they passed by this man who was begging. He He had been crippled since birth. And he asked for them to have compassion on them or asked for them for some money. And Peter said, silver and gold we have not, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus the Christ, the one from Nazareth. Stand up and walk. And this man, this guy who had been crippled since birth, unable to walk, since he was born, he always knew he was different. He always knew that he couldn't join in what everybody else was doing. Since that time, he knew he was different. Now, he's able to stand. Peter takes him by the right hand and lifts him up. And he's able to stand and he begins walking. He walks into the temple his first time in his life ever getting to go into the temple, he walks into the temple, he begins leaping and praising God. A spectacle. People staring, talking under the breath, what is happening here? Well, we pick up this morning where Peter and John, where they have begun to leave the temple, and they're walking through the Solomon's colonnade. And this man is clinging to them. I was looking at this word in Greek, it means like he was hanging on them. And I was wondering about that. You know, a man who's been nothing but, but a, a person connected by arm to this begging cup. A person that everybody walked by and no one wanted to notice. Now everybody's looking at him, talking about him, wondering about him. I can't help but wonder if maybe he's a little afraid. Not used to this sort of attention. And so he clings to Peter and to John. And the people gather around. They all come and they try to see... They try to see what's happened here. They want to see this man who's been made whole. They just want to see this man who's been saved. They want to see this miracle that God has done. And so Peter, seeing this crowd, says they ran to him. Seeing this crowd run over to him, he begins to tell them about this. He begins to reveal the reality behind the situation they see. He begins to talk with them and explain what they're looking at. Realizing that they needed help to put the pieces together. They needed help connecting this man who was crippled, now able to walk. They needed help connecting that to the kingdom of God. They needed help connecting that to the one who actually healed him, Jesus. And so he begins to talk with them. What's interesting to me is the first thing that Peter does is he redirects their attention to God. He says, why are you looking at at us, at this man or at us, like we've done something? Why are you staring at me like I had power or because of my piety that I healed this man? This man is healed by Jesus. God is the one who healed this man. God has exalted Christ. You thought that he died and went down into death, but God has lifted him up. God has raised him to life. And Jesus is at work still in this world, sitting at the right hand of God, interceding for us, at work in this world still. He's the one who did this. If you want to give glory to someone, if you want to praise someone, praise God. Praise Jesus for what he's done. I believe that we still need to do this today. Even in our own lives, we still need to do this. I know you. I know many of you, you are good people and you do things. You try to serve people in the name of God. You go to help. You go to be a good neighbor. But I believe we also need to make this connection with the way we live, to the faith that has made us that way. To the one, to Jesus, who has transformed our lives to make us the people we are. To give credit where credit is due. Because sometimes people we will help people. We'll help our neighbor or our coworker, And maybe they'll say something like, you know, you're, you're so kind. I'm grateful for you. You're a great friend. You always help me. But we know the truth about ourselves. You know, sometimes we want to. If it's a really good friend, we have no trouble. But if you're anything like me, there's those times when you're reluctant. When you see that person, you know you need to help, and you think, I've got about a hundred other things I need to do right now. Man, I, I don't know if I can take the time for this. But you do it. All right, God. All right. I'll go help them.
1: And then they say to
0: us, thank you, you're so kind, you're so great. And yet we know the truth about us. See, I think we need to redirect the praise to God. When people claim, or when they talk with us, or when they encourage us, or when they praise us, because of the way that we've helped them, or because of the way that we live, I think we need to redirect us, that they would see it's because of God's work in us. It's sort of like we're taking something that's not quite ours. Because God has made us who we are. Jesus, and our relationship with him, he has made us these people who live well, who, who are kind neighbors, who help people. And when they say you're great and you're kind, we just say thank you. I mean, it's polite, and I think that's okay, but, but it's almost like we sort of take something that was meant for God. I know none of you do this on purpose. I, I mean, I know you. I know you wouldn't intentionally do this, but I'm just thinking about this, that we need to make sure that we keep redirecting people to God. Now, what I'm not saying is we don't help someone and we say, I helped you because I want you to know I'm a Christian. Come on. (laughs) Like, we know how awkward that would be. People would be like, thank you, uh, maybe you can not help me anymore. (laughs) But I am saying, when someone says, thank you for being so kind, that we could say something as simple as this. I'm grateful for what God has done in my life. And I'm happy to help you. God has done great things in me and I'm, I'm happy to help you. See, that's pretty easy to say. And people begin to connect the dots. But it's our faith that has made us this way. That our faith isn't just some religious thing that we do. It actually changes our life. It affects who we are. Because you begin to think about it, if people praise us, that won't help them much. It might feel really good, but it won't help them much. But if people see the things that we do, and they begin actually giving credit to God, now that has eternal consequences. That's a big deal. That could begin to change people. See, we need to make these connections for people because maybe this is too pessimistic, but I think most people don't make the connection. We need to help people put the dots together because I don't know if they're thinking along these lines. You know, they say that, oh, you're great and thank you for your help. But a lot of people in our community do good things. Being a good neighbor is just a good start. It's an important start. And I believe it's essential because if you don't start there, then nothing you say matters. People don't care what you know until they know how much you care. But, there are a lot of good neighbors here. There are a lot of people around here who are good people, who, who are not yet following God, who are not yet in a relationship with Jesus. I was thinking of when, when Ray and Jeanette were in Cochran. I saw people from this community, people that I don't see here on Sunday mornings, at their place working, taking care of their yard. No one asked them to. I just saw them showing up over there, helping them. There are good people in our community. And so if we think that just our goodness will speak the gospel to people, it does in some cases. But we, I think a lot of times we have to make this connection for people. We have to help them see like, that God has changed us. It's because of who Jesus is to us that we desire to help them. Because it be it 's okay if people we go and we help people it 's good if they say, "Oh, they are really nice that 's good that 's a good place to begin it 's even a little bit better if they say, "Oh you know they 're nice and you know they actually live out that whole christian thing that i 've heard about that 's even better, but that 's still not salvation for them. We still desire more for them we still desire them to put the pieces together that we love people, that we serve them, that we are kind to them because we desire that they would know this God that we know, that they would know this Jesus and this love that we know. We want them to know these things. This is what our desire is. So we keep looking for opportunities, ways to make that connection subtle and helpful ways. Now, I'm not saying be heavy-handed here. (laughs) I'm not saying help some poor woman across the street so you can preach at her for half an hour. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying, you know, be a good neighbor so that later that week you can walk around and knock on doors and hand out tracts. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we look for opportunities. When someone says, I'm grateful for you. you, you know, why do you do this? Why are you helping me? That we're ready to give an account for this hope that we have. That we're ready to give a reason for this love and this kindness that we have because of who Jesus is to us, because of what he's done in our life. That we look for opportunities. And in some cases, we make opportunities. I was working with a friend of mine yesterday. We we're putting up our fence. And he's not a believer yet, but I'm still praying for him. And we were working and talking, and I started asking him, we are talking about money and stuff, and I started talking with him about this hole in the gospel class that we've been taking. We just finished, so we talked about that. Then we talked about God and about God's love for us. He started asking me, "What do pastors actually do all week?" <laughs> and I got to share with them that it's, it's we, we work a little bit more than just Sunday morning. That we you know that I go and I got to tell them that I go and I, I meet with people, and those that are hurting, I remind them how how deeply God loves them. Those who are struggling, I remember I remind them that God is there to comfort them. We talk about the heart. And about how important it is to keep our heart in it. And how hard this world can be. That we need God's grace in our lives. That we don't just shut down our heart. That we don't just stash it away somewhere and go on life angry and jaded. I got to have this conversation with this guy who I've been praying for. But I did it on purpose. Not because I want to try and make him like us or try just to get into church. I want him to know Jesus. I want him to know this Jesus that I know. This God who loves us with his Crazy love. This God who desires us to be in a relationship with him and our lives to be made right and full. I wanted him to know this Jesus. So I spoke with him about it. And it wasn't awkward. And when it sort of felt like, okay, that had run its course, I didn't keep forcing it back to it. I mean, we let it go. And I I keep praying for him and that we'll have an opportunity to talk again and to encourage him again, to invite him to come, to see what this family feels like. So we keep looking for opportunities. We never know when these conversations will have eternal consequences. When they might just be something that we say without even knowing it. Walter and I were talking about this week. Things that we say, we have no idea the impact they have. And someone's life changes. They begin to follow Jesus. And some years later they come back and they say, you know, it was actually that thing that you said to me. And we rejoice. Peter saw this crowd gathering and he took the opportunity to speak with them. He wanted them to know this Jesus. He wanted them to know the truth about who Jesus is and what he had done. So Peter saw this crowd and he sees the opportunity. He sees this opportunity because he wants them to know Jesus. Not because he just wants them to get into church. As good as that can be. Not because he just wants them to shape up their life. It's because he wants them to know Jesus. Now, Peter could have had a hundred excuses. Maybe some of these sound familiar. Like, I don't know what to say, God. I mean, I'm no a theologian. I'm not a pastor. What would I say? Or maybe the excuse, like, well, it's just would be awkward, you know. Religion is so hard to talk about. I'm not saying talk about religion. I'm saying talk about Jesus. Or maybe he's worried about, oh, you know, maybe they'll reject me. You know, I'll say, I'll risk this conversation, I'll sort of put myself out there, and they'll laugh. He didn't let any of those excuses get in the way. Sometimes we try to convince ourselves, or sorry, sorry, sometimes Peter might try to convince himself. But, you know, maybe I'll just do this really good thing, and, and they'll put all the pieces together, they'll go home tonight, and they'll ponder this for a few hours, and they'll realize that I do this because Jesus loves me, then they'll want Jesus to love them too, and then they'll show up at church tomorrow. He didn't make these excuses. Now he talked with the people. He, to- he spoke to them about Jesus, about who he is and what he'd done. Now, it's true that he spoke to, his, to, his, to that crowd there in ways that they understood. Because they were Jewish people and they, they knew the Jewish scriptures. So he appealed to the scriptures to say, the, the Bible or the Old Testament has been proclaiming Jesus. This is the one we've been waiting for. But I can't help but wonder what that conversation might look like today. If he were to say, you know, Jesus has just been this, the greatest gift in my life. He's given me this new life. I was just sort of getting through days before, but now I know Christ. And life is different. It's more full. True, like my heart is more vulnerable. I get, I, I weep more, but I also celebrate more. I'm living life more alive now. I'm living life excited because I have set down the things that I regret, the things that I've done wrong, the things, I, the ways I know that I've hurt people. I've set those things down. I've asked God to forgive them. I've taken my pride, this pride that has been getting me in trouble for years, that has been keeping me away from God for years. I've set that down, and my life is being changed. And I have hope now. Regardless of how hard things get, I still have hope because I know who Jesus is and what he's done. That he rose again. That there is life after this. Despite the pain and the struggle that we face, there is hope despite these things. He wanted people to know this. He wanted people to know this Jesus. This Savior who had come. He wasn't trying to force religion on people. I don't think Peter even considered that. Because he wasn't talking about being religious. He was talking about being in a relationship with Jesus. The two can be very different things. He's he's wanting people to know Jesus. Think about this for yourself. If you believe that Jesus truly is this Savior, this One who has come to rescue us, to wash away our sin, the things that we've done that we wish we hadn't done, the people we've hurt that we wish we hadn't hurt, if we believe that Jesus has truly done this, that he has given us this avenue to new life, wouldn't you want to share that with other people? Does that feel like you're imposing on someone when you talk about that? Peter wanted people to know this Jesus. He didn't feel like he was imposing on them. He wanted them to know Christ. He wanted something more for them. He began by telling them, you've got Jesus all wrong. In your ignorance, you killed him. In your ignorance, you, you send him to Pilate. And then when Pilate said he was going to set him free, you denied him. You turned your back on the Holy and the Righteous One so that you could have a murderer released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we witnessed it. You see, they had gotten Jesus wrong. Peter had to go on to tell them that this is the one the prophets had been talking about. This is the one that Moses spoke to you about when he said that God would raise up a prophet from among your people. From among the brothers. Who would lead you. He said, this is, the one that God, or this is the one that God was talking about when he promised Abraham. So said, that out of your descendants I will bless many nations. Jesus is the one that he was talking about. Jesus is the one who fulfills these scriptures. This is the one that you are supposed to follow. Christ fulfills all of this. So turn around. The word here is actually repent. Which literally means turn around, but also has a sense of set down your pride. Stop trying to convince yourself that you're okay. That I'm a good person. That's all it takes. I just have to be a good person. Stop trying to convince yourself of this. Stop trying to convince yourself that the things that you've done, that you know how bad they are. Stop trying to convince yourself that they're not that bad. Ask God to forgive you. Ask Jesus to forgive you. To come into your life and change it. Turn around. Turn away from the things that are destroying you addictions. This anger that you have stored up that you just can't seem to do anything about. The selfishness that keeps hurting people, that keeps making life about you. Turn, set these things down. Turn away from these things. Turn away from the things that are distracting you. The goals of money and success. Trying to gather more and more stuff, hoping that maybe somewhere something will make you feel whole again. Turn away from these distractions and turn towards God. Turn towards Jesus, this God who loves you, who wants you to have life, who doesn't want to put you under his thumb. He wants to give you life more full. He wants to set you free from the sin and the angst and the anguish that you have. These bars that you have put around yourself. He wants to set you free. Follow this God. Believe into this this fact that He has died to set us free. He has died to save us from our sinfulness. The things that we've done that we know we shouldn't have. The times when we've rejected God. He's died to make life right again. To reconcile us with the Father. Turn towards God that He could refresh your soul. He could remind you how deeply He loves you. That He could remind you of His hope that Jesus is coming again. That He has not left us here alone to try and figure things out. But He is coming again. To make things right and good. We look around and we see this broken world. We see the pain and the suffering. We see the things, the way that they're not supposed to be like this. And we know that somewhere deep in us, we know that it's supposed to be different. Christ is this hope that we have. This hope that one day, swords will be melted down and beat into plowshares. That one day, this lion, this ferocious animal, will sit, will lie with the lamb. God's peace will reign on earth. This hope that we have that there will be no more tears. That there will be no more sorrow. This is the hope that we have in Christ. Peter wanted this crowd to hear this. He wanted them to know this. It was great that they respected him. But he wanted more than that for them. He desired more. He wanted more for people. He wanted more than just their respect or their thought that he was a good person. He wanted them to know Jesus. I desire this in our church. I know <clears throat> there are people in our community who respect our church, and I wouldn't trade that for anything, but I also desire more for them. I desire that they would know Jesus, that because they respect us as a church, that they would follow Christ. That is the desire. I think it's great that they come on Easter and Christmas Eve, that people visit. I love that. I wouldn't trade that for anything. But I also desire that in that they would begin to know Jesus. That ultimately they would know Jesus Christ and how deeply he loves them. Peter saw this crowd. He saw them gathering and he wanted them to know this Jesus. He wanted him to know this life that he had found. That his life had been transformed. I wonder if maybe some of you are here today. And you're still not sure about this Jesus. Maybe you still have questions. But you know you want this grace that I've been talking about. You know you want this love that you've heard referenced. That you want this rescue. If you want these things, then maybe today's the day. See, I look around us at this creation. Morley was praying about this beautiful place that we live in. I look at the complexities and the intricacies of this world. And I believe that it was created. I believe that it was created by a good God. More particularly, I believe that we were created. We were created not to be slaves or or people to, to live the way God told us to or He'd kill us. That we were created for a relationship. We were created to be in this amazing relationship with God. And things were meant to be good. But because of our pride as humans, because of our sinfulness, because we decided to take things in our own hands, we fell away from God. And as if this huge chasm opened up between humanity and God. And then God came himself. He came in the flesh, in Jesus They called him Emmanuel, which means God with us, or God living with us. He came and he walked the same dirt that people walked. He came and he loved the unlovable. People who thought they were beyond God's grace. People who thought they were destined to never see God again. He came and he loved them. He ministered to them. He brought the kingdom with him. He healed people. But he didn't just do that. He went and he sacrificed everything. His life... No greater love has a man than this than he would give up his own life for you. Christ sacrificed everything to be faithful to God and he crucified him. The torture and the crucifixion so that we could be made right with God. So that all the things that separate us from God could be taken away. And not just that God would wink his eye and say, oh, that's okay. It's not such a big deal. It is a big deal. And he couldn't just let it go, so Christ took care of it for us. And on this cross, Jesus had victory. He defeated death. Death could not hold him. He defeated the evil one. He defeated Satan, who wanted this world to remain in sinfulness, separated from God. He had victory over sin. Over the things that hold us down. The things that continue to eat at us. He had victory over them. And if that wasn't enough, miracle of miracles, He rose again. Jesus rose again. He is alive still. He is sitting at the right hand of God, reminding us that we have hope, that death is not the end for us, it is just the beginning, that we don't need to be afraid of death anymore because of what Christ has done, because of this new life that He has given us. The apostles testified to this. They testified with their lives. Martyr means one who testifies. Many of all the apostles, they were killed because they would not stop saying that Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Christ. Nobody's going to die for a scam. But they couldn't. They could not deny it because they saw it. They witnessed it. They saw Jesus alive walking with them. They saw Jesus on the beach when they were in in the boat fishing. They saw him. Thomas touched his hands. They couldn't deny it. They knew it was true. This Jesus is ascended at the right hand of God. He sits at the right hand of God. And he's interceding for us. We see it in this this passage this morning. That it was by the name of Jesus that this man was healed. Not by Peter's piety or by Peter's power or John, but by the name of Christ, by the name of Jesus, he was healed. He's at the right hand of God, and the hope is, or the, the promise is, He is coming again to make things new and good. This world that is broken, that doesn't work the way it's supposed to, God is coming again to make it right. If this sounds like good news to you, if this sounds like good news to you, all you have to do is ask Christ into your life. It's a prayer. Lord God, please forgive me. I want to follow you. I want what he's talking about. I want this love and this life. I want this salvation. God, I want this. It's a prayer. If you just pray it. I pray that you hear God speaking to you this morning. Those of you who are followers already. I pray that you hear God saying, make the connections for people. When they see your life, it's good. It's great that they see that you're good. Make the connection for them. Help them see that it's because of Jesus and the life that He's given you that you are there helping them, that you are serving them. This is why you are the way you are. But also, if you're here and you've not yet made this decision about Jesus, you're still unsure, you still have questions. I can't help but wonder that maybe today is the day. Maybe today is the day that you believe. Not that you still don't have questions, I still have questions but that you've heard enough. You've heard enough to know it's true, and you want this life. You want this grace. You want this salvation. You're willing to set down your pride. You're willing to stop convincing yourself that you're just fine. And you want to receive God. You want to receive Christ in your life. Don't let this day pass you by. If you want this life, come and pray with me. Come up here, I'd love to pray with you. We'd love to encourage you in this. Because we know what this means for you. We know what this would mean, this life that it would mean. Take a moment. Listen to God's Spirit working you.